Alrighty guys, welcome back to Brolosophy. Today, what we have for you is we have a great show, but before we rip into it, we just want to talk a little bit about our sponsors. So our sponsors are True Protein. So True Protein are a premium supplement brand in Australia. And if I had the chance to pick one provider, a supplement provider, then it would certainly be True Protein. They've been uh, partnered with the show for a long time now. They actually inquired um, with me about partnering back in the days of Adventure Fit. They wanted to give away a couple of holidays and, and so forth. And it was awesome because I've always loved what True Protein do. I've always loved them as a brand. I've always loved the people that they work with. Um, yeah, and when they reached out, it was a welcome surprise. It was awesome. Um, and we've been supporting each other ever since. So um, I don't get too heavily into supplements. I cycle on and off uh, creatine from time to time, but pretty rarely. Uh, I do use a bit of protein and I do use some MCT oil um, from the guys. So, um, and I wouldn't go anywhere else. It, it's really awesome. So, um, but... You know, they've got absolutely everything. So they've got all types of protein powders, all types of uh, performance blends, um, all types of aminos and creatines, pre-workout, post-workout, carbohydrate form, uh, formulas, health foods, nut butters. They've got everything. So um, really, they're a one-stop shop for all your supplement needs Australia-wide. So if you want to score a sick discount, then head to trueprotein.com.au Use the code BRO at checkout and you'll get 10% off. We are also brought to you by Yeti. So guys, what is a Yeti? Yeti is a premium outdoor brand that's starting to make some serious noise in the Australian marketplace. Yeti has created a standard for coolers and the two hard cooler models, the Tundra and the Roadie, were at the forefront of their mission. Born out of a frustration with coolers that cracked, caved and gave up, Yeti has set out to improve three main elements, durability, extended ice retention, and weather resistance. So Yeti guys are a sponsor of Joe Rogan. So effectively, um, they're the best. That's all I'm going to say about that. So to learn more about Yeti, jump online at au.yeti.com forward slash bro and don't look back. Also, guys, last but not least, we are brought to you by Athena. So head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and you'll see all of our uh, virtual assistant services. So how it works, guys, is basically you would send an inquiry to us, say, hey, I've got a team. Um, we're, we're growing and expanding. I need some help in... Um, I need some administrative help to get some tasks off my plate. Um, I want an SEO writer because I want my Google rank to improve. I want a content producer because I want to create awesome videos and, and, and uh, imagery to give value to our community. Whatever it is, you'll make an inquiry with us. Uh, we'll walk you through a live demo. If it's a fit for your business and it's a fit for us, then we'll go out and we'll find the right person to plug into your business and we've got such highly overqualified people ready to go at all times. It's just, it's really taking the piss. So how it works with us guys is, um, so I'll tell you a few of our team members internally at Athena. So this is, you know, people that work directly for us. We have myself, Mads and Drew. So we're the directors, we're the, uh, we're the partners. So I'm CEO, Mads is CFO, Drew's head of growth. And then some of our team members. So these are all team members that we have from... Uh, 
our own recruiting pipelines in Argentina, Venezuela, Philippines, Peru. Uh, we have Aaron, who's IT and tech. He's a weapon. Um, he's as good as anyone you'd pay $100,000 for in Australia. Vicky's our social media manager. She's, she's great. Ricardo is a media producer for us. Ricardo is a professional level media producer. So he's studied film production at the University of Buenos Aires. Mike, business development. He heads up our outreach department. He's in Venezuela. Ed, graphic design, weapon. Jose, account man accounts manager. He's actually um, Vicky's dad. Uh, Jan, business development manager. Massively, Jan's a practicing law uh, lawyer. Um, and he works with us on the side. Matthias is a media producer for us as well. Matthias is a graduate of audio video productions. Um, so another, another professional media producer. Maria, uh, success manager, client success manager. So basically what I've done there is we've got, uh, I've outlined three internal staff directors in Australia and nine offshore team members that just, you'd pay, you'd pay, you'd pay big money for these guys, their skills. And through us and through our packages, you know, for, for a business, it's a way more cost-effective solution for small business and you'd probably pay a third of what you would market value, a third or maybe a quarter of what you would pay market value in, uh, in your, you know, hiring someone in your host country. And it really helps these guys because um, a, lot of the, a lot of the economies that they're coming from aren't really booming, so it gives them uh, really great employment and, and, uh, and yeah, a, a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And um, yeah, and it helps small businesses grow. So if you're interested in growing your team with us, head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A, and use the code BRO in the inquiry form and you'll get 20 hours free. Alternative, ooh, alternatively, you can email me directly, doc at athena.co, and uh, we can pick up the chat from there. Here's the show. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. So we're here with Craig Harper. Craig's come in from Hampton to join us on the podcast today. Uh, Craig is a number of things. So um, let me see, an author, a podcaster, a presenter, mm. a speaker, an mm. exercise scientist. Um, mate, you're a man that of uh, many skills and many talents. Why don't you mm. tell us about yourself? Introduce yourself. Who is Craig Harper? Uh, thank you, Doc. Um, I'm all of that and always just uh, trying to learn and grow and evolve. I'm a bit of a teacher and I'm a bit of a student. So my background is in... Um, fitness industry, working in gyms, owning gyms. Uh, I set up the first personal training centre in Australia in 2000 or not, uh, sorry, 1990 or maybe 89, about 90 I think it was. I started PTing in the mid-80s, started working in gyms in 82, went back to uni when I was a bit older and did a degree in exercise science, opened a bunch of centres, employed about 500 trainers, um, 
And that kind of opened the door for other things, a bit of speaking and a bit of coaching and working mm-hmm. with companies and opened the door to a little bit of media. I worked on Channel 10 for a while, worked mm-hmm. in radio for about 20 years, still do bits and pieces of radio, um, wrote a few books, as you said. But it kind of the, I guess, uh, the fitness industry or wherever we start can often be a platform for other stuff. So mm-hmm. for me, the fitness industry and working in gyms kind of opened the door on a whole lot of stuff around human behavior and thinking and performance at an athletic level, but also on a cognitive and emotional and a sociological and a really kind of fundamental level. Why do I do the stuff I do? Mm-hmm. Why do I think the way I think? What's working? What's not? How come I want to get in shape and I last two weeks every time and then I throw it in? Or mm-hmm. how come that guy with not much talent achieves amazing stuff and that guy or that girl with heaps of talent doesn't? Mm-hmm. So you know, I really started working with bodies because I was a morbidly obese kid. I was the fattest kid in my school. So really? my na- Yeah, yeah. My name at school was Jumbo. So you, gotcha. were, do- you were Doc and I was Jumbo. <laughs> yeah, right. This fat little fucking Jumbo <laughs> just fucking waddling around the playground. <laughs> and so that, um, that kind of, you know, then I, I lost a lot of weight and became very interested and passionate about and probably unbalanced about exercise and looking a certain way and being a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go on your own personal odyssey of what you want to do or look like or understand or pursue mm-hmm. um, or what fascinates you or what, you know, floats your boat. And then that, you know, I, I always think if you can do the, if you can work at the stuff that you're personally fascinated with or interested in or curious about or love, then, you know, and it's cliche, but you don't feel like you're working. So, yeah. so I, I've I've never had a job ever that I didn't really. I've done a few things around when I was younger, like I worked in pubs and got punched in the face for twelve dollars an hour and all that shit when I was young, which was the highlight of my professional Far career. Out. I was going to pubs and paying twelve bucks per pot and getting punched in the face. That's I was, probably well. Yeah, I, I definitely had a better. I definitely had a better deal. Um, and so you know, and these days I'm doing a PhD in neuroscience and looking at the correlation between motivation and creating lasting change. But um, in terms of my job these days, I talk to teams and companies and organizations all around thinking better, doing better, choosing better, creating better outcomes. Um, And, you know, how do we even, and in the middle of all of that doing and creating and, you know, how do we in the middle of that, how do we self-manage? So how do I manage me Mm -hmm. in the middle of the mayhem? So how do I, you know, create balance and calm and joy and and so I like I work with a lot of people and you would have met a lot of people from the outside in, their life is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Do we swear? We yeah, don't. yeah, we can swear, yeah. From the outside looking in, their life is amazing, but the inside out experience is depression and anxiety and overthinking and mm-hmm. self doubt and self loathing and not mm-hmm. everybody of course, but yeah. a disproportionate number of people. So yeah. We kind of grow up in this paradigm that success is about stuff, what you have, what you earn, what you own, what you get, what you look like, what mm-hmm. people think of you. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, you know, you get there and you go, well, I've ticked a lot of boxes, but I'm still mm. unhappy. Same position up here. Or I'm still feel like yeah. there's something missing. And yeah. so that's the stuff that fascinates me. That's uh, interesting. I'm, I would say that's one of the things, if not the thing that fascinates me the most. So I'm really keen to dive more into that. Um, and I'm sure we will. But I want to just bring it back a little bit because you gave us lots of information there, Craig. Um, but for you, obviously, you, like you said, you were jumbo in school. You were the fat kid, and, jumbo. and, and I, I assume that I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make the assumption that that was a part to play in your fitness journey coming through. But but what was it that motivated you to actually start um, your fitness journey, and then to evolve and go, okay, how do I actually get more as in in peak performance? What is it that grabbed you about all that stuff? Mm. So I'll answer the first question, then the second. So the first bit was what started me. 
So I think with a lot of, like if you talk to most people and say, is your life amazing and awesome and you don't want to change anything? The answer is probably no for a lot of people. Yeah. Or at the very least, there are things that I would like to do different or better or create different outcomes. Yeah. But a lot of people have that same thinking for years and then they wake up and they're 10 years older Mm -hmm. and they're still thinking, I should change this. I should do that. I should lose weight, get out of this job, get out of this shit relationship, whatever it is. But so my, my um, focus with my PhD and also just my interest in general is how come people don't do the stuff they should do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so for me, I think so I had a personal experience, which I'll tell you in one sec. But I think for a lot of people, something happens internally where there's like an almost like an emotional tipping point. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Tipping Point. Yeah, I've got it over there. Yeah, it's awesome. I actually haven't read it. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think quite often we we need to wait or we seem to wait till there's enough internal leverage before we go fuck it i'm sick of this whatever this is mm-hmm. and i'm going to go and change so my fuck it moment was the year eight swimming swimming sports mm-hmm. where i was fattest kid in the school and i didn't want to swim but i was forced to swim which is okay it's nobody's fault it's my own so jumbo 14 years old 90 something kilos about that tall about five 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 six mm-hmm. um morbidly obese standing on the lane eight fucking starting blocks looking shit feeling shit uh, embarrassed humiliated and kind of for me that was a moment where i said to myself i'm never ever doing this again so Mm. i swam got out of the pool got changed went home and uh that day um was the first time in my life i ever trained I went really? for a run, well, walk, run, because mm-hmm. I couldn't run. Mm-hmm. Shuffle. And, and that was a, uh, <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just a fucking fat little kid walking, yeah, running, sure. walking. Yeah, yeah. And mate, uh, I did it at a fun run only about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I, well, was, I was shuffling. I was shuffling. <laughs> so I got back, didn't die, and went, all right, I'll do it tomorrow. Did it the next day, went, all right, didn't die, I'll do it. And, and then I actually lost 30 kilos in about 15 weeks. Wow. So I went from uh, low mid-90s. 14-year-old Yeah. Wow. That's and incredible. I was just incredibly focused mm-hmm. because I just didn't want that feeling again. And so for I, th- I think for a lot of people, it's not how much talent we have, how much potential we have, how much knowledge, how much education, resources, or even support. And all of those things you would think are paramount, but they are not. They matter. But what matters more is whether or not you'll just do the fucking work. Mm. It's like for you to build this podcast, there's work, there's organization, there's processes. And when you start, you don't have sponsors and you Mm. don't have anyone going like, you're well done, mate. And you have Mm. three people going, yeah, it was all right. And your starting point for a lot of things is I'm shit at this. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you get great at anything? Well, you first start by being shit or not very good. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I started fitness, I was shit. Mm. I was fat. I was unfit. I was unhealthy. I had no idea. And I just threw myself into the process and clearly, you know, my, my focus then and my motivation then was really about just not having that experience again. I just mm-hmm. don't want to be the socially marginalized, embarrassed, yeah, yeah. fat kid. That- yeah, the feeling wasn't great and you didn't want to be there again. Yeah, that's correct. understandable. Correct. For sure. And then, all right, well, that's interesting. So, and would you say that you, because I, I, I've heard a bit of your stuff around the traps and, and part of your story and so forth, but... Um, I've heard you talk about you went into bodybuilding. Did it did it go from okay? I don't want to be the fat kid, but sorry, I don't want to be the fat kid. So I'm going to be the big jacked kid, and that's mm. going to make me happy, and that's 100%. going to be everything that I ever wanted. Exactly. exactly. And then what happened when you got there? 
Well, it's just a bigger, more insecure fuckwit. <laughs> yeah. I was still a fuckwit. Yeah. Yeah. I was still an insecure fuckwit. <laughs> I was a bit taller with more mass. So I did the running thing and uh, I ended up, well, this is how dumb I was, honestly, or this is how insecure and unhinged I was. So probably by the time I was 15, 16, I was running every day of the year, 365 days of the year. Jeez. I was lifting weights, but also yep. running. Mm-hmm. But I was addicted to running. Yeah. I was addicted to training because when I trained, I looked a certain way. And when I looked a certain way, I got approval. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're insecure, you want approval. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I started doing more weights, less running, more weights, less running as I started to, as testosterone kicks in. And then by the time I was... Um, you know, 21, 22, that was like my life revolved around being big yeah. and being, you know, I was working in gyms, but all I did was eat fucking chickens and eggs and lift heavy shit and go mm-hmm. to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, obviously training is good. Exercise is good. Uh, eating well is good. Managing your body is good. But there's also an element that, or there's a line, I guess, where you go, all right, this is good, this is healthy, this is sensible. There's the line, now this is ridiculous, now I'm obsessed, yeah. this is compulsive, this is irrational. Now I'm getting my entire sense of self and self-esteem from how I look or how yeah, big I right. am. And, and you know, I woke up one day, I, I was living with a guy, um, shout out, his name's Dave, and he was a surfy, didn't give a shit about any of this, didn't understand bodybuilding or bodybuilders, thought it was stupid. Surfers never really do, do they? They just Quite look at you and go, mate, you are a He's weirdo. like, you're a fucking unit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I grew up on the Moines Peninsula and some of my mates would see me go to the gym and they're like, mate, you're a flog. Yeah. Well, that's, well I, I was a flog though. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so probably still am, some people would contend. Um, so he... he um, one day, one night, it was a weekend, we were going out, uh, we're heading out to, I don't know, a part, I don't know, something, function, whatever. And I was in the bathroom and just getting ready, had on a pair of jeans. I was about, you know, this fucking full house, 100 kilos, veins and shit everywhere. And um, he walks down, he's walking, he's talking to me from the next room and then he's saying something then he walks into the bathroom and I'm standing in there in pair of jeans and no shirt and I'm shaving and this will be no good for the audio only people but I'm shaving like this where I've got my arms and because my arms and everything are so fucking stupidly big I can hardly shave and I've got no flexibility (laughs) and and he just looked at me and goes what is wrong with you and I go what like because he hadn't seen me with a shirt off for a long time he goes you know you look fucking stupid yeah I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, do you trust me? I'm like, yeah, of course. He goes, look at me. I go, what? He goes, you've lost your shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he was like the fucking, the voice of reason that yeah, my insecurity right. didn't want to turn up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you look, what, how big do you want to be? Yeah. Like, how what? uncomfortable do you want yeah. to be shaving, and then, and then shaving what? your face? And the then what? You know, then, yeah. okay, so yeah. now you're two more kilos of muscle. Now four, now why? And I didn't compete. Yeah. You know, so that that was, you know, that was one of those, and I remember that conversation and that was just one of those moments in time where, you know, so over time. It's another time, one of those checkpoints that you remember where 100%. your life took a bit of a, a bit of a, a different route, I feel like. Is that yeah, right? and, I, yeah. and I started to become more introspective and reflective and think about my internal world, not just my external, what people didn't mm-hmm. see. Because mm-hmm. we're so obsessed with what people think of us and what people see, and we're so obsessed with belonging to a tribe or a group Mm-hmm. that it's really easy to uh, do a su- disservice to our own 
kind of value system and our mm. because I want to belong so much that I'll do whatever I need to do to belong. Yeah. I um I actually think so I've had through this podcast um I've had over the last number of years I didn't go this year but I've had uh, media passes always to the Arnold and to the FitEx yeah. and the Health and Fitness Expo and so forth. And I walk in there every single time and I go I just walk it makes me feel very very uncomfortable that mm. that vibe. Mm. I walk in and I look around and I see the figure models and so forth that are, you know, chocolate body um, eating their, you know, yeah, yeah, banana yeah. or cake before they can get their veins pumping. Then I see the bodybuilders who, who can't walk through the door and who look yeah. ridiculous in my opinion. Yeah. Then I see the powerlifters who I think are nearly the fittest people there, big, yeah. but they're like overeating, big and fat and whatever. I walk in and I go, every time I walk into this joint, I go, what the fuck about this joint is health and yeah. fitness? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the, this is the, um, the, the extreme expo. You know, this is the extremes of, of body and soul expo, basically. Um, and I think, um, yeah, I, th- I, I totally understand where you're, look, where you're at. In this I, point, I think know? there's a way to do it um, that is healthy. But uh, to your point, I think a lot of people don't. Yeah. Right. And especially when you start throwing uh, chemicals into the mix and all of mm. that stuff and steroids and whatever. Um, and, and the thing is that you... You know, one of my best friends is Josh Lenardowitz, who's a fucking giant. Yeah. But we talk all the time about insecurity and like we've had this conversation. He's Australia's best bodybuilder. He's won multiple pro shows, competed in the... He's a big boy. Competed in the last two Olympias, not the one just gone because he was crook, but the last, you know, big unit. Yep. But I said to him, and he walks around, he's my height, and he walks around it, so I'm five, nine and a half. He probably reckons he's taller. He's definitely not. <laughs> uh, Josh, if you hear this, you're not. Um, but he walks around at like 140. Yeah. And I said to him, I've said to him a few times, so what happens when you're done and dusted and you come back to like 100 or 95? Mm. It's like, I can't wait. So I like that because he actually, he is purely a professional competitive bodybuilder. He realizes that in terms of optimal health, well, it's not optimal yeah, health, yeah. but you're getting on stage to meet certain criteria. Yeah, you're a performer. But he doesn't get his sense of self from purely from his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's the, you know, and it's the same with, I worked with St Kilda in the AFL and Port Melbourne in the VFL and Melbourne Vixens in the National Netball League and Nissan Motorsport and lots of teams. And, you know, a lot of athletes also get their sense of self from I am an AFL player. Yeah, I'm a V8 supercar driver. Yeah. Or from, you know, their Insta following. I've mm-hmm. got 75,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Or from their PhD. Or from their... Whatever it is. Yeah. And for me, the interesting thing is trying to figure out who we are beyond all that shit. Mm. Beyond your body. Beyond what people think you beyond your brand and your bank balance but yeah. trying to figure out the deeper stuff alright that's um, really um, quite an, inter- an interesting topic so I want to ask you a question because it's one of the uh, I don't really come with many questions to prepare I've got a f- you know a handful of little things scribbled down on this mm. bit of paper but what I did want to ask you and this is probably a good time to ask it is in knowing what you know and, and where you are now and everything you've told me and, and, and I haven't even heard you know 99.9% of your story but, but what is health to you what mm. would you say is, is health and wellness? What does it look mm. like f- mm. for you? Yeah, awesome. So for me, health is a, a multi-dimensional thing. It is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social. So it's those five areas. Um, and so what were they? Can you say that again? Physical, mental, yeah. physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social. 
Yeah, yeah. Cool, I like it. So I believe that well-being is an inside-out thing. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we might find uh, the bodybuilder that we were just talking about, guy or girl, he or she is 5% body fat, has got the abs, got the veins, got the beautiful symmetry, the balance, the, looks fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. He or she has got an eating disorder. He or she self-loathes, self-harms. They hate themselves. Um, they've got a terrible relationship with their body. Um, they overthink the shit out of everything. They get their entire sense of who they are constantly from what they look like. Yeah. So you might go, well, they are in good physical shape but terrible emotional shape. So yeah. I would say overall they're not well. Yeah. Conversely, you might get somebody who's really calm and relaxed and they live a purpose-filled life and they make lots of money um, and they're really great human beings, but they're in a body that's going to fall apart in three yeah. weeks because they constantly eat shit. And their they mates never... are calling them jumbo. Yeah, their yeah. mates are calling them <laughs> back to that. But it, and so it's not about being extreme. It's understanding that you are not a body and you are not a mind and you're not a bunch of emotions and you're not a spirit and you're not just a social creature. You're kind of all of it. Mm. And... You know, if you're physically well but emotionally unwell, then you're unwell. Yeah. If you're physically and mentally, uh, physically and emotionally okay, but you've got a lot, you know, some real cognitive challenges, like you you overthink so much that mm-hmm. now you don't sleep. Well, now you don't sleep, so now your endocrine system's fucked. Your nervous system's fucked. Yeah. You're not recovering. You're underslept. You're over fatigued. Now you make bad decisions. Now you're a fuckwit to be around. People yeah. don't want to talk to you because your temper's up and your tolerances. You know, so social health goes down the drain. Everything yeah. affects everything, and yeah. so I believe that. Um, you know, what I love about the Buddhist philosophy is essentially it's a philosophy, not a religion, uh, that has no deity and is all about helping us to understand and manage our mind. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I manage my mind? Because my mind is the control center for my life. 100%. That's where I make decisions. That's where I interpret the world around me. That's where I give things meaning. That's where I tell myself stories. Yeah. And and think about this. If right now, for example, we are here in this moment and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is bullshit. This is a fucking waste of my time. Mm-hmm. And I'm frustrated and I'm, at a, I'm a bit angry, and, which isn't my story. I'm hoping you're but, not. But, <laughs> no, no, it's good. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, but no, if that was my story, that's the cognitive yeah. story, yeah. then what happens is there's an emotional response, which is fear yeah. and anxiety and resentment and all this shit. Then there's a biological response, which is elevated heart rate, mm-hmm. respiration, blood pressure, adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine, endocrine system, mm-hmm. sympathetic nervous system. So just a thought, this is bullshit, I don't want to be here, he's a dickhead, this is a bad experience, whatever. Mm-hmm. You tell yourself, this is how powerful the mind is, for good and bad. Yeah. Where you tell yourself a story, you believe the story, and then you start to inhabit that real-world experience. Yeah, everything uh, everything trickles down from there, basically. Would you say, um, it, obviously everything you've mentioned here, physical, emotional, um, spiritual, social, and what's the other one? Sociological. Yeah, yeah. So, would you say that? I mean, realistically, it starts from the mind, right? Mm. Because everything else goes out the window. I, I, I came up from a very happy upbringing. Everything went my way. I was good at football and had lots of mates and so on and so forth. I went through a period where starting business, you know, my social life really struggled, financial pressures and so forth, and I actually started to get really bad social anxiety and yeah. you know, depressive states or whatever. And that's when I realized I was like, well, not. Nothing else matters at the moment. I need to get this right because 100%. if this isn't right, then what what do you have? Hundred you know, percent. What do you have? So 100%. so um, so this is an interesting 
period of time, I think, that we're in, Craig. Uh, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it because, because I'm really keen to hear your thoughts because you've kind of been in, I think, you're, you're in the era where you kind of came up before mobile phones, I would, I would imagine. Mm. And then you're coming through and you're still probably, you know, you're pretty across this new social media age yeah. that we're in. So yeah. you've kind of seen the full gamut. I mean, I have a little bit too. I'm 33. Mm. Um, but the emotional health of, um, you know, the masses these days... How do you think it compares to back in the day? Because you hear, you hear all these figures about there's a rise in you know, male suicide and depressions and so on and so forth. We have this epidemic going on of mental health. And I do believe that to be the case. But maybe it is just because men are more open to talking about it now. It's reported more, so on and so mm. forth. But for me, I feel like we have a crisis of ego at the moment or a crisis of, of values mm. or a crisis of, you know, because of the mm. social media era that we live in. Yeah, sure. The, the whole wellness landscape in this day and age like how has that changed since you were kind of coming Mm. up Mm. yeah that's a good question so obviously there was no social media so the access that everyone has now to an audience is different Mm. like anyone i can write uh, i i can write a post right now put it on my social media platforms and people all around the world can see it in 10 seconds Mm. you know and that was never a thing so there's this, what we have now is this instant gratification or this instant rejection, depending on the outcome of the, you know, our followers to our posts. Um, But I think the problem, I'll come full circle, but I think the problem with social media is not social media, but rather how we use it or perhaps more specifically how some people use it. So um, I don't follow your stuff. I will after this. Um, But you know, I only use mine to share positive stuff. Yeah. Right? If it yeah. wasn't for what I do, I would not be on any platform. Yeah. And it, not that it's bad, just doesn't interest me yeah. in terms of here's a snapshot of my fucking breakfast. <laughs> yeah, to, I'm yeah. not interested. And that's not that people shouldn't do that. Yeah. But it's not my thing. Yeah. So for me, it's very much um, social media is a resource that we have that we choose how we use it. Mm-hmm. The problem is, one of the challenges is we are wildly insecure creatures for the most part Mm -hmm. so when someone says to you 99 times mate you're great and then one goes no you're a fucking dickhead Mm. that's the only one that penetrates Mm. so you can get 99 compliments and one criticism depending on who you are yeah and that'll be and because like with my stuff i'm quite straightforward like i'm very compassionate and i care about people and i love people and my my agenda in inverted commas is actually to serve and help and come from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And, but because of the, my style, there are a percentage of people who go, love you, Harps, love your stuff, fucking come to every workshop that I do, buy yep. everything that I write, whatever. Mm-hmm. Or just follow me on social media and support me that way, which is awesome. But just statistically, um, you're going to have a percentage of people who go, you're a moron. Yeah. Like I had a bloke send me a message and go, I want to put you in a plane and drop you into an active volcano. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dear Brian, thanks for your feedback. <laughs> yeah, Hope yeah. you're having a great day. All the best harps. <laughs> yeah. Like Seriously. Very creative too to take the time and go, yeah, mate, like, how, well, am gonna, how am I going to get him the worst here? I'm going to tell yeah, him, that's, plane's pretty bad. If I yeah. drop him into the sea, if I dropped him into, I'm going to drop him into a fucking volcano. Yeah, active Fuck volcano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, that's quite the demise. Thanks for thinking. <laughs> Thinking yeah. of that, and yeah, uh, that'll be newsworthy. I'll yeah. go down in history. Enjoy your dinner. All the best, Harps. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, no, it's uh, it is funny. It's funny how people. Um, it's funny the social media, um, the the trolling setup where um, I, I don't really. I have a small following. I've never really had any hate, you know, like that. I think I wonder where the tipping point is where you get to a certain level where people are like, you know what? 
fuck this guy. I'll never say this to him in person, but I'm going to tell him that I hate yeah. his guts and yeah. drop him out of you know drop him into a volcano. Um, doesn't yeah, bo- we- it doesn't bother me? Like it, I don't love it, but I understand people. Mm. You know, it's like I think. I don't know who said it, but it's a very famous saying, seek first to first to understand and then to be understood. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, everyone lives in their own self-created reality. And so the nature of reality, which this is going deep, but I'm sure you're into it, the nature of reality is completely subjective. Yeah. So we might have, I don't know, there were 10,000 people listen to this. I don't know what it is. 10,000 people. That's 10,000 personalities. Mm-hmm. That's 10,000 histories and backgrounds and belief systems and yeah. values and likes and dislikes. And so it's pretty much certain that no one will have an absolutely identical experience to anyone else for the entirety of this podcast. Yeah. So you go, all right, well, there's one conversation shared on through one medium or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that's processed and downloaded by 10,000 different people, for example. 10,000 different ways. 10,000 different experiences. Mm. And so someone will say, that was fucking fascinating and insightful. And someone will go, yeah, I don't know. Someone else Mm. will go, that was boring. Someone else will go, that conversation's changed my life. Yeah. And that's really about how we respond to different things and again that comes back to managing your mind and having which is there's this weird idea in it's not a weird idea but it's there's this there's this area in behavioral psychology and uh, neuroscience called uh, metacognition and metacognition Mm. is thinking about thinking it's having an awareness of how you think yeah watching the thinker and yeah so that's you know Eckhart and a whole bunch of yeah pretty aware of you know the concept yeah, yeah yeah and and so one of the questions I ask people, a self-awareness question is, what do you think it's like being around you? Mm. Like what's the, what's the Doc experience like or what's the Craig experience like or what's the Sally experience? And not so that all of a sudden we become this overthinking, insecure <laughs> person, but rather so that we go, oh, okay, because my intention is not always your experience. Yeah. And, yeah. That's tr- and again, this means... If uh, an important part of what you do is connection and conversation um, and creating healthy relationships, then understanding someone else's worldview doesn't mean agreeing with them, but understanding yeah. really matters. Yeah, being empathetic, I guess. Yeah, you know, being empathetic. I remember, <clears throat> I remember days, um, days past. I've one one great example of, um, uh, or two two examples actually that come to mind of you know when the when the your reality and someone else's reality doesn't doesn't fit. I had, a, um, I had a guy, and I won't mention his name, um, starts with a double L. It's one of those weird double L names. It's not Lloyd, you know? So there's not many of them getting around, but it's, it's not Lloyd. So but, um, <laughs> but, Lama, uh, Lama, Smith? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, I went to um, my mate Fletcher's um, 30th birthday party. And so, and my mate, let's call him Sam, because I don't want to drop his name. My mate Sam, he came up to me and I was like, Sam, mate. Is this double L? Yes, this is right, double L. I said, Sam, Sam. seen you. Haven't seen you in years, mate. What's going on? And I've always loved this bloke. Right. I've always felt like every time I see Sam, it's a bloody good time. There's you know? a connection. Yeah, it's really good. And, I, and I've always thought he's just a great bloke. He's one of those guys that's like peripheral friend. Right. Friend of my friends. And I'd never get on the phone with him, but you know, a guy that I'd see at the pub or see down the local thing yeah. and I'm like, I love this dude. Anyway, <clears throat> so we were having beers and he was actually quite drunk. And he came up to me and he said, and this actually hit me for six. He goes, mate, I've always wanted to tell you one thing. I said, yeah, Leland, what's that, mate? He goes, you're a dickhead I think he said to my face and I said wow what and he goes you're an asshole you've always been a prick to me 
and uh, you've always been a prick to me. You and your mates have always talked bad about me, and I know it. I know you've always blah blah blah. All that, and he just unloaded on me, wow. and I was like, mate, I fucking love you. I thought we were great friends, and he's like, you don't. Rah, rah, rah. And I thought to myself, and I got a little bit fired up, not like, let's fight, but I was like, what the fuck's going on? And I walked away, and I actually left the party like shortly after. I hung around for about an hour, but it kind of rattled me. Mm. And then I spoke to him afterwards when he was sober and so forth, and he was like, oh, look, you know, I go through a bit of, bit of this and that and some self-worth stuff, and I've always felt like you and your friends kind of like look down upon me or, or mm. this and, and that. And for me, I've never, ever in my life thought of Lallan, oh, <laughs> Sam. <laughs> anything. It's all right, mate. He, he did say in his stupid defense that he fucking loves you. Yeah, that's He right. said he loves that's you. That's right. So, and it's all so, good. So, he, um, But in my, in my eyes, I've always just had the greatest time with this yep. guy, you know? Yep. And, but I've got a, a loud voice and a, and a boisterous personality and so forth. And yep. it's happened to me. And I've got other examples, but... His reality was totally different to my reality. Yes. And it was the first time I sat back and I was like, fucking, hang on a second. How is this possible? Mm. But it's a perfect example of like, you know, your self-biographical stories that you, that you tell yourself mm. and how they relate to people around you. Cause you can almost guarantee that no, very few people see you like you see you. Yeah. Because your experience of you is the inside out. Theirs is the outside in. 100%. So you've never, you've never stood over here and had a conversation yeah. with you, which yeah. sounds fucking ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. But so I'd be crazy if I did. Once it'd be good, though. <laughs> just light something up. What, but one of those, um, you know, one of those, I guess, sliding doors things almost is that if you, you know, whoever, whoever you have in this spot, is going to have a different opinion of you, or they'll go away with a story about you. Um, and it's it's one of the one of the things that happened to me early days was I wrote the first personal training accreditation with a friend of mine. Yep. And I used to teach that all the time. And um, I was I'm you know we're probably a bit similar. Com- uh, I guess confident or happy. Like for yep. the most part, my life's fucking great. Yep. I always say to people, if I complain about my life, punch me in the face because yeah. I'm the problem. Yeah. Right. My life is not, my life's ace. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, and one of the bits of feedback that I used to get because I would have assessment or feedback forms at the end of the course yep. was, you know, Craig's great, loved him, da, 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 da. But for the first couple of weeks, he was really intimidating. Yeah. Or I was intimidated. Yeah. And Tara, her name is, I said, how the fuck? Like, I tell dick jokes. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I carry on. Yeah. I uh, walked in with my pants down one day. Yeah, I fucking whatever. <laughs> you know, I fuck around. I have. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, but she she goes, yeah. She calls me sweetie. She goes, sweetie. She goes, you are intimidating. Mm. I, I go, what do you mean? She goes, I love you, but you're intimidating. Why? She goes, you have a presence. You don't get it. Yeah. She goes, you're like this fucking big. You know stuff. You you just you know you're quite forth, mu- and I'm muscly, like, you know, okay. Yeah. And it, for me, I went, oh, well, that's really interesting. And and so you can get defensive or you can get self-aware. Yeah. And I I had to go, okay. So how do I fix that? Because mm-hmm. if if you think you're not intimidating, but ten people do, you're intimidating. Doesn't yeah, matter what your right. intention is. That's right. If ten people tell you the same thing and you don't listen, you're the problem. Yeah. Now that doesn't ten mean ten versus one. That's right. You still be you, but figure out how do I how do I connect with people in a way which is going to resonate better than I currently do. Mm. You know, because a lot of 
one of my jobs is to go into companies and I do a lot of stuff around culture and communication and team building and leadership and all of those things, which I think you've done a bit of. But quite often I'll get to a company and I'll go and meet with the CEO or whoever's in charge for half an hour before I go and talk to the team. And in the first five minutes, it's like, it's all right. I found the problem. <laughs> the problem's in this office up the end of the fucking passage. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the problem's here. It's all right. I don't need to talk to them. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock the door here. We've got yeah. the problem caught. Yeah, just off. Yeah. let's quarantine. Bring in the excavation team. Let's quarantine <laughs> yeah. this shit off. Because yeah, we don't need to do the talk anymore. <laughs> no. And when when you talk to someone who's in a leadership position, who they're not a leader. Yeah. They're just in that position. Yeah. And, and like everyone and everything is a problem except them. And mm-hmm. everybody's an idiot and nobody understands. I'm like, dude, you, do, you, do you know what you sound like? Yeah. And that could be a girl or a guy. But do you, do you know, do you get that, you know, you are hard work? Do you mm. get that you're, mm. you know, and this is the constant or one of the constant challenges in, I think, anyone who has a job that requires communication and connection, like this is a medium about communication. Mm. And if you don't have good conversations and you don't have good content and people don't like listening to you, you don't have a podcast. Mm. doesn't matter how great your intention is. Yeah. doesn't matter how much you know. Mm. The bottom line is, and I say this to lots of people who want to be speakers or authors, the bottom line is, do people want to listen to me? Because mm. if you're a genius with great messages, ideas and stories, but people don't want to listen to you, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> so what got you into... It's a good time to probably segue into this high performance stuff it's something that i'm sure. quite fa- fascinated in so um what got you transitioning from i don't know if it was a transition because i don't know yeah. the full timeline but but into the high performance sphere what got you fired up about that um okay so let's put it in two camps the sporting and the non-sporting so in the sporting space um i was always working um with athletes in a, a casual way mm-hmm. And I, one of my first trainers was a guy who played for St Kilda Football Club. His name was David Grant, mm-hmm. all Australian, really good footballer. Um, and I used to train him and a few of the boys from St Kilda. And I ended up getting uh, a contract as the strength coach for St Kilda yep. through that. Um, and ended up working with a bunch of teams and... So that kind of opened that door and I'm interested in, I've always been interested in potential and whether or not that's in business or even in rehabilitation, Mm -hmm. like I'm rehabilitating one of my friends at the moment who was given the last rights, he was going to die, definitely going to die, like 1% or less chance that he'll live. Um, And and even with working with him, so I started training him over a year ago in a wheelchair uh, and now he's walking. And he's driving, and what? so for me, that human, that that whether or not it's in that capacity, or it's how fast can you fucking run, mm-hmm. or it's how much can you bench, mm-hmm. or it's how big can you build this brand, mm-hmm. or it's how how far can this podcast go? Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in potential in that capacity. I'm also interested in our potential for, and this is swinging the pendulum the other the other way, but being able to be the calm in the chaos. Mm-hmm you know, and being able to create an internal state that is high performance is the wrong word, but but a place that I like to be. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we exist and operate in two worlds, physical three-dimensional world, 
you know, where we can have stuff and do stuff and own things and drive things and run around. And so situation, circumstance, environment, business, work, school, outcomes, government, weather, whatever, all those external things and money. But then the internal place, which is, you know, thoughts, ideas, feelings, emotions, likes, dislikes, experiences, memories, values, uh, spirituality, hopes, dreams. That's kind of where we live. Mm which is why five people in the one physical space are all having a different experience. Like yeah. five people are in the same room, but not in the same reality. Yeah. You know, a hundred people in the same room, a hundred people in a different reality because mm-hmm. reality is a byproduct of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it was really about how do I just help people get the most out of themselves? And also, you know, for me, I, I my business went really well when I started. I set up, I think I was 26 when I set up Harper's, which was my first um, center and very creatively named and um, had a whole team working on that. But but by the time I was 30, I, I was relative to where I'd come from, really successful. Yeah. Like way more successful than the, the fat kid who grew up in Latrobe Valley ever thought he would be. Mm-hmm. So a couple of centers, three centers, lots of staff, beach house, all these things like... Yep. And clearly those are just things, right? That's all just stuff. But all that, and in the middle of all of that, I'm like, eh. And I was so busy. I was so busy managing egos, attitudes, personalities, people, the bottom line, multiple businesses. I actually had two other businesses as well as the gym. So I had five businesses. And so I literally had 100 staff on the payroll, give or take, and and in the middle of all of the money and the success and the pats on the back and people going, fuck up, you're killing it. And I, I would wake up every night anxious mm. and every night with palpitations and mm. every night I would have just like you've got right there a pen and pad. I would wake up, turn on the, the light next to me and I would write whatever was in my head, I would write that out because I couldn't rest yeah. until I got it out of my head and onto the page. Yeah. And then... I just, one day I just went, I don't want to do this anymore. And I just turned it all around. I just walked away from nearly everything. Yeah. That's fascinating. So, um, cause I feel like, um, yeah, I, I feel like that a lot, you know, I feel the lack of stillness internally, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? hundred percent dude. I'm always on, 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 and I'm always worrying about what other people think about me and where, you know, the business is and so forth. And like you, I, I know that my life is, fantastic Mm. you know my friends and family are amazing um i love what i do i'm healthy i'm young i'm a good bloke you know whatever i've got everything that anyone could really want to live a a healthy a healthy happy life but i also struggle with you know this that and the other and and really do struggle to find peace and just stillness and just be happy you know be Mm. be content you know Mm. it's particularly the last five years it's been a never-ending battle for me Mm. and something that i'm constantly trying to improve upon um but so for this taking this into account so like obviously there's physical physical wellness and physical fitness and whatever and you can go to the gym and you can train this and train that and that's, sure. that's much easier for people to get their head around 100 you know i go to the gym i Dude, get a personal trainer 100%. i lift some weights my, my muscles get bigger yep so i'm very much into self-development and mindfulness and blah blah blah. i do a lot of stuff but but like for you like how do you you know, in the high-performing realm or if it's someone that's just a regular mom and pop that you're trying to help, how do you try and create, even for yourself, your own routine, however you want to start this conversation, but how do you actually foster that feeling of wellness and feeling of peace and feeling of like 
Yes. Happiness. For me content. personally or to help others? Any, you any, for you, for anyone. Okay, you know, so like, for me, I realise it's, as, as I just said, it's about, I th- okay, here's a really easy way to do it. it or, well, not easy, but simple process. What I say to people is, what are the things that matter most to you in your life? Mm-hmm. Like really matter most. In other words, what are your values? Mm-hmm. So when I know what my values are, right? Now, I'm not saying don't make money. I'm not saying don't become a commercial success. I'm not saying that. Yep. I'm saying as well as doing all of that shit, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a corporate speaker. I get paid lots of money. Yep. But I don't confuse getting lots of money with who I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't confuse lots of money with success. Yeah. Because that's not my KPI. Mm-hmm. For me, money, as handy as it is and as appreciative as I am for what I do, it's a resource that I can do shit with. Yep. The last two cars that I bought were for my parents. Mm-hmm. I drive a Suzuki. I couldn't give a shit. I don't drive a Suzuki. Yeah. You know, it's in my garage. I yeah. ride a scooter. Yeah. Like, I'm not enamored. I used to be, mm. but I'm not enamored with stuff anymore. So, I think I would say... I say to people, what do you want to do, be, create, change, and influence? What are the things that you want to do, be, create, change, influence? And then, based on those things, what for you is Mm non-negotiable, right? Non-negotiable. In other words, fuck, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm not doing this when I'm pumped or excited or motivated or in the zone or it's sunny or Doc's fucking cheering me on. Mm -hmm. This is what I do now. This is my new normal yeah so what needs to be your new normal because is is your current normal working be really fucking honest and Mm. you know it's not about beating yourself up it's about being honest yeah well no it's not working cool okay good well done so how do we create a new normal operating system well we identify what's not working Mm. okay what's not working my diet okay what about your diet isn't working well I eat heaps of shit that I just don't need. Okay, when do you do that? Well, when I socialize. And what about piss? Yeah, I get fucking shit-faced through. It's cool. Do you want to do that? No. Why do you? Because oh, in the moment, da-da-da. Okay, so we have a whole lot of kind of patterns and behaviors and rituals that, that don't serve us. Mm. And the truth is that, you know, I'm 56. And so every time I do a gig, some bloke about my age goes, how fucking old are you? <laughs> And then he goes, how do you eat? How do you train? Not that I'm the high watermark, but they're interested because mm-hmm. I'm a little bit atypical. I yeah. do not drink. I do not smoke. Uh, I've never had drugs. Mm-hmm. I've never been drunk in my life. I've never had a beer. I'm not suggesting people should do that. But what I'm saying is for me, I created a, an operating system that for me works. Yep. And so in the top you know, few on my value system is living well. Mm-hmm. And that means physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially. And I can't put shit in my body and live well. So that's a no-brainer. And so that means, you know, everything comes at a cost. And the cost is, for me, going to probably thousands of social events over the years where I am the only person not drinking. (laughs) And I am 100% happy. (laughs) 100% happy and going to a wedding where there's fucking seven (laughs) courses and I eat one. And the reason I eat one is because I do not need seven. I know what being morbidly obese is like. Mm -hmm. I know what my genetics are. Mm -hmm. And so if I was coaching me, I would say, Craig, do you want to fuck your genetics or maximize them? I'd say, I want to maximize them. 
then I would say, well, this is the way that you need to eat, yeah. Craig. Not so Broccoli that you... and the chicken's over there, Craig. Well, yes and no. I <laughs> no, still, no, I know what you're saying, though. But you know but what you I mean? To, it is a sacrifice. You have to, you have to sacrifice well, and put I, in like the Well, like I fucking love cheesecake, for example, yeah. but I open so the cheesecake I. door, I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah. I won't come out till Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. right? I'll come with you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's lock the doors. And it doesn't mean I'll never have some. I'll have some, but... You know, one of the things that people think is because you're smart or you're educated or you whatever that oh, you don't I'm not that smart, you don't you're that. pretty smart. You're pretty <laughs> smart. I listened to you talking with Ash Williams on the way over. It was funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Funny. But but you like I've still got all my bullshit. I've mm. still I'm still insecure sometimes. I still overthink. I still yeah. know that for me I've got food issues. It's like you wouldn't say to an alcoholic, just have, mate, have one beer, don't be an idiot. You haven't drunk for 10 years, one won't kill you. Well, you don't understand addiction. And so for me, because I was a fat little fucker and I believe I I was pretty much an addict with food because I ate everything that wasn't nailed down. I ate all the time. I didn't eat because I was hungry. I didn't eat because I needed to. I didn't eat because I was being coerced. I ate just because I loved the biochemical shit that went on in my brain. I loved the dopamine. I loved that it made me feel amazing. Yeah. You know, but if most people, if you say to them, do you want to live your purpose? The answer is, well, I don't know what it is, but yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Would you, do you want to live in an optimal body? I don't mean a six-pack necessarily. I don't mean running a sub-three-hour marathon. I don't mean making the Olympic team. But do you want to live for your age at, with your genetics? Do you want to have the best physical kind of uh, ability and, and house that you can? And the answer is, I do. Yeah. Well, cool. So do the things that dem- that are demanded. Yeah. And But the problem is, Doc, and shut me up in a minute, but the problem is that the thi- the path to get the thing we want it's hard. Yeah. And people don't like hard. Yeah. Like we want the, the destination without the journey. Yeah. That's we right. want the reward without the work. Yeah. And this is not very popular. This doesn't fucking sell tickets to workshops. Yeah. But the truth is that, you know, th- there are things, quite often the things that we need to do are not the things we want to do. Mm. What we want is instant gratification. Mm. And so we go, I'll eat this shit. I'll drink this shit. I'll sit on the couch and I'll start tomorrow. And then it's five years later. Yeah, that's interesting. I think um, that instant gratification and the and the you know just getting to the prize rather than going down the down the path is actually, you know, look at um, people that win the lottery, for example, mm. and then they're bankrupt and sad and you know depressed years a couple of years later because it's not earned. You know, the, the what is the I think the saying is the the journey is the way or mm. the journey is the destination. Well, but yeah, but, I think I think um, what's his name. Um, he wrote the the something is the way it'll come to me. Um, What's his name? Uh, that young American dude. Stephen Pressfield. So, nah, so, um, it'll come to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, Ryan Holiday. Yeah, what's it called? The what is the, the way? The, the, the um, like the problem is the yeah, way. I've read it. The, um, the obstacle is the way. The obstacle yeah, is yeah, the Ryan way. Ryan Holiday. The obstacle is so, the way. But the thing is that you know the dichotomy is that on the one hand, if like I say to my audiences, do you want to learn and grow and evolve and become a better version of you? Mm-hmm. And they all go, well, shit, yeah, that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And then I say, now, be honest. Do you want comfort or discomfort? They mm-hmm. go, oh, I want comfort. Mm. Well, that's the problem. Because where you learn and grow and evolve is in the discomfort. Yeah. You know, it's like if you go to the gym, the analogy is you go to the gym, you get on the treadmill, you lift the weights, you do this, but you work at, here's your potential 10, you work at one. Mm. So you're never giving your body a reason to adapt, to improve, to grow, to evolve, to become stronger, more flexible, yeah. more powerful, more resilient. So 
and you spoke about our mind before, I believe that the way that we train our body in the gym, which is with variety and progression, we should train our mind the same. How do you build resilience mentally? Like put up your hands if you want to be more mentally and emotionally resilient, fucking everyone. Mm-hmm. Cool. Go and do hard things mm. and then do more hard things and then do more hard things because it's in the doing of the hard things that you become different. Yeah. So next time there's a hard thing, you just cope. Yeah. Like, and this is a bit deep, but uh, so when are we recording this? What, what day is it? It doesn't matter. But anyway, um, two... It's the what is 29th, Wednesday? 30th, 30th, 30th of Wednesday. So two Fridays ago, I think it was the 11th. So last Friday, two weeks before that, I was with my training partner at the gym. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this story? No. So my, my training partner, here, lovingly known as the Crab, uh, <laughs> Mark Lampard, uh, multiple Mr. Australia, pro bodybuilder, ex-pro bodybuilder, all that, is now 54 um, you might have heard me talking to another mate on the phone when we first came in. Anyway, we're at the gym and the crab has this stupid habit of doing chin-ups yeah. and holding his breath. Yeah, yeah, I heard you talk about this right? actually. So he yeah, did yeah, 30, yeah. 30 chins, <laughs> yeah. holds his breath <laughs> yeah, right. for 30 reps. <laughs> yeah. So his blood pressure goes to a trillion over a billion. Mm-hmm. He goes from white to beige to red to pink to red to purple to whatever sits down on a chair, falls forward, has a cardiac arrest. Oh. Has a cardiac arrest oh, at the gym. So out. this is 16 days ago. Oh, shit. Has a cardiac arrest, dies. Oh, what? Dies. Hang on. This is a good ending. Dies. <laughs> so so in the middle of this, um, I, I was... I wasn't... T- I, we were right there, but I wasn't looking at him counting reps. I was talking to the other guy, Rehabilitate. Yeah. And I just saw the crab fall. And I'm like, what's going on? And I kind of... Anyway. So, um, that it's a good ending. I turned him up. He fucking face planted, hit his head on a machine, blood everywhere. Um, and he was face down and dead. Pulled him back, turned him over, started CPR. Um, and... So I'm doing started compression, started mouth to mouth. Yeah, blood coming out of his mouth. I'm sorry to be in graphic, but this is just the fucking. This is and this is the this is the quick version. So 16 days ago, oh. the crab dead, and me kissing him on the gob, right? But and then I, I I got another young guy to come over who was a bit panic stricken because uh, he didn't know how to do whatever. And I said, just do this. Bit of coaching on the compressions. I did the mouth to mouth. We did it between us. He was amazing. Uh, Ambos came, eight to ten minutes later, the crab was dead for 17 minutes, right? What? 17 minutes. Whoa. Did not take a breath. His heart did not beat, right? <laughs> oh. But what was interesting was, because I do, a, um, without trying to sound like a, a dickhead, but I, I do a lot of things that are high pressure, mm. and I'm in a lot of situations that require me to be calm, mm-hmm. because if I'm not calm, I can't execute. Mm. And I always put myself in hard situations because I'm a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And what was, what was interesting for me was, and it was just, and I don't take any credit for because someone else would have done it anyway and all that. So it's not about me. But what, um, apart from the fact that he went to the Alfred, by the way, so I'll finish that story, went to the Alfred, was in a coma for two days, came out of the coma, and they thought he would have somewhere between a bit and fair bit of um, brain damage. Brain damage. Yeah. None. Far out. None. Zero. Oh, paramedics came paramedics were fucking amazing 
paramedics a ridiculous shout out if you are in that space well done yeah they get paid fuck all yeah amazing amazing human beings and they I mean they were the real heroes I kind of just kept him thereabouts till they came and fucking shocked him and all that stuff but um my point was like in the middle of the mayhem I was really calm Mm -hmm. I'm like thank goodness I do the work that I do Mm. Because I know how to do CPR, which is cool. But if you know how to do CPR, but you can't manage yourself in an uncomfortable or a chaotic situation, then your knowledge about CPR is redundant. It's not do you know how to do it. It's can you, and that's a very graphic illustration, but it's with anything, not what do you know how to do or what do you understand, but what can you do that's hard under pressure. Mm -hmm. Because when you do things hard under pressure, you become different. Mm -hmm. And it's not that life needs to be a never-ending series of, painful moments but sometimes you know and I still have lots of fun and I still have lots of joy and I have a great social life and all of these things but there are sometimes like for me going back to university um, in my mid 50s to do a PhD I'm the dumbest person (laughs) I'm the fucking dumbest person there (laughs) right and I go all right I'm the newbie I'm the dumbest one in the room (laughs) and I'm okay with it just want to get that out and yeah just so we all know (laughs) fuck it yeah Hundred years yeah. old, yeah. technophobe. You want the wrong question? Ask uh, wrong That's answer. Right. Yeah, I yeah. can't even say wrong, yeah. I can't even say the joke. Yeah, <laughs> ask this guy. <laughs> but it's true, and I go, yeah. well, how can I? It's like when I wrote my first book, it was dog shit, the first draft. Mm-hmm. But how do you end up with a good book? Well, you write a dog shit draft, mm-hmm. and then you improve it. Then you give yep. it to three people who give you. Then you improve it. Then hopefully you end up with something that's in the ballpark of okay. Yep. But by the time you write your fourth or fifth book, maybe you're not bad, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. But you can't get good at the thing that you're not doing. Yeah. You can't overcome the thing you avoid. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Every time I ask you a question, I'm like, yeah, right, oh, that's a good point. And then then it's like, oh, that's a good... And then I I go, fucking hell. So I'm just going to talk about something you mentioned earlier. Sure. And that was was the new normal, which I think was a really good point because I have... um, So at the moment, myself, my brother and his partner are looking for a house right. and we all have non-negotiables. Right. So it was your new normal and you're talking about non-negotiables. My yeah. non-negotiable is a big backyard for Ziggy. Jack's non-negotiable is a garage so we can put, put all his lifting gear and whatever we can train and then Emma's non-negotiable, she, she was pretty cool. She didn't really have a, a strong She's non-negotiable. not high maintenance like you two. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not prima donnas. So, uh, but the new normal thing is great because I need to take your advice in that regard, I think, because for me... I know through lots of self-experimentation and, and through having a stringent morning routine and, and through ups and downs in my life and stress levels or whatever, I've done a lot, a million different things to try and be still, well, calm, cool, collected, happy, whatever, and all sure. that stuff. And the one thing that I don't really use as my non-negotiable which and draw a line in the sand for myself, uh, which I need to make my new normal, is time with my friends, you know, because I know that 10 hours of meditation in a week three high intensity workouts and a cold shower every morning isn't going to give me the same wellness and feeling as catching up with my mates two days in the you know an afternoon of climbing and a lunch with my mate in the week 100%. and getting genuine laughter with my old mates and not even my old mates but any any friends of mine you know 100%. being around people and i know that for me that's what works mm. but i'm also somebody who doesn't I definitely haven't drawn a line in the sand. Like I'll go weeks sometimes and I'll go far out. I haven't even seen the boys. I haven't seen, you know, this old friend or whatever. They're only around the corner. And I know that's the key mover for me. 
Mm. That's the lead domino to everything else mm. being easier. You know, yes, like I'll yes. be feeling good. So I want to train and I want to get up and meditate and I yes. want to do the right things, eat good food or whatever. That's my, non-negoti- my non-negotiable. But I really like how you put it in terms of like creating your new normal and making it just, here's my non-negotiable that makes me happy. Definitely. And it might be it might be different. It might not be seeing your friends. It might be more of a homebody. You might be real creative. It might be making sure you go to your art class, you mm. know, once every mm. once every three or four days, you know, a couple of times a week. Whatever it is, I like that that new new normal. Um, and that's that I, I always say to people, just you know, like for example, if I said to you, Doc, here's um, here's a block of land, here's a free block of land, and here's five hundred grand to build a house, right? Yeah. And I go, so this is your new home. Here's your land. You've got an acre. You've got heaps of space for Ziggy. You've got a garage for your brother and whatever. You, what's mm-hmm. Emma, is it? Emma, yeah. Whatever, you know. So you got, here's half a million dollars to spend on the build or whatever money. Here's, right. Now, do you want to live in, if possible, do you want to live in your ideal home and build your ideal home, the home that best suits you, that works for you? The answer is yes. So I'm going to say to you, so would you start building tomorrow? And you go, well, no, Harps, that's fucking ridiculous because I need, there's a lot of planning, there's architecture, there's style, there's mm-hmm. a wee weatherboard, a wee brick, a wee, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gardens, the water feature, the fucking carpet, the colour scheme, the layout of the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So you would spend months and months and months designing your home before you even laid the foundation, Right. Mm-hmm. Then if I said to you, what's more important, your life or your house? You're going to go, well, of course, my life. And I go, well, how much time do you spend stepping away from your life metaphorically and going, what do I want the next one, two, five years to look mm-hmm. like? Mm-hmm. If everything goes shit out for me, what's happening in five years? What's yeah. my best fucking, if everything's amazing in five years, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Where am I? Yep. What's my role? What does my life look like? What's my health? What's my relationship status? If everything goes well, yeah. and that of course can change in terms of what you want, but then you go, okay, now here I am. What do I need to do now or in the near future? What decisions do I need to make? What rules do I need to create? What action do I need to uh, take what things do I need to hold on to and let go of to make that a likely outcome? And by the way, what's my plan? What's mm-hmm. my timeline? Mm-hmm. What happens when I can't be fucked? Because mm-hmm. I have this, you know, I'm this guy. So when I'm motivated, I'm a fucking gun. But when I'm not a mo- motivated, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And this is the human condition. So when you say the things that you said before about being, you know, trying to find the stillness and the calm and I go, that's normal, mate. That's mm. that's not bad. That's not weak. That's human. That's yeah, everyone. Yeah, that's, right. that's everyone. No, no, you're right for sure. I've been doing this shit forever. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, and I'm yeah, still yeah. a dickhead sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. still, you know, and so it's okay to acknowledge your humanity and to go, well, you know, my I got to the point where I, I went, I get the most pleasure where and where I'm doing things for people. Obviously, there's a, a limit, mm-hmm. but when I'm, when I'm helping people grow, and the reason I'm passionate about helping people grow is because I never had a mentor. Mm. I never had a coach. I never had anyone who gave a fuck when I was coming up mm-hmm. in terms of teaching me or, or... or Making it just that little bit easier for you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When I opened my first business, everyone said that won't, personal training is never going to take off. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be a thing, mm. you know, and then it became the fastest growing component of the fitness industry for two decades, yeah. you know, and it went crazy Mm. 
would have happened without me, but it just mm. happened that I started that ball, ball rolling. But but it's it's so now I I look at other people with more ability than I've ever had, and and all the resources we now have, and I want to help them, you know, mm. uh, fulfill their potential or at least explore it a bit more. Yeah, that's great. Giving them the leg up that you uh, would have loved to have had. Yeah, definitely along, along the way. So I got another um, another thing that I wanted to. Um, you, another thing I wrote down that you mentioned in some way along this um, conversation that we've had, but and it was around purpose because I've got a lot of mates that are um, really in the wellness space, the self development. They're you know coaches and and um, and leaders, and they've got their own. Uh, and look, put it this way, I'm very much into self development. You know, I, I I I meditate, I train, I read about the human, you know, the human mind. Sure. I have a cold chair, I train it well, I'm, you know, I think really deeply and so on and so forth. But the one thing that I have a little bit of an issue with is the selling at the moment of, of purpose. And it might just be the way that it's framed. I had this conversation with another guest in the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. Sure. But because what happened was I had, um, I went out with two of my buddies and one of them's, uh, um, he was a life coach. Now he does gut health stuff around coaching and wellness, but around gut health, which is really great and he's really good at it. And another mate who's kind of in the counseling space and mental health and so on and so forth. And then there's me. And we went and watched the AFL Grand Final and we were having beers and talking about this, that and the other or whatever. <clears throat> and it got to the point where we started talking about somebody that they were dealing with. They both had an example of someone with like lack of purpose and, and, that, and that they just need purpose in their life, this, that and the other. And around the same time we are having this conversation, a few days earlier, one of my buddies had been suicidal. Mm. He's got his second kid on the way and he's in a breakup scenario. Right. Second kid's about a month right. off and, and they're, they're splitting up and they right. both love each other but he's been yep. through some stuff and it's, that's how it's going. So, yep. And he said to me that he's been doing all this reading, he's tr- been trying to better himself and the thing that keeps him up at night is he has no purpose, he has no purpose, he has no purpose. And when he had this conversation with me, the day or two prior to that, I remember watching, it was a beautiful day, mm. it was 30 degrees, sun was out in Melbourne, Melbourne's yep. best day in months yep. and I was in near your neck of the woods down near Hampton or yep. I think yep. around that area. I was helping my buddy doing some tradie, tradie work for half a day because he needed a hand. He was going to Vietnam. And I saw this truck driver, um, garbage truck driver. Mm. He was going down the street and there was a little alleyway that he had to turn left to get in and get the bins on this little you yeah. know, alcove. And anyway, he went to turn left and this car was in his way and it was going to be a 10-point turn for him. Beautiful day. And literally he stops, looks at the turn. I'm kind of, I see what's going on. And then I hear him say, or scream I should say, he goes... Fuck! And I was like, "What the hell?" And I looked over and I said to my brother, "I was like, man, imagine being that poor bastard. Mm. Like, it's the fucking most glorious day. Mm. Like, everything's beautiful, birds are chirping, so on and so forth." So the purpose thing, and the reason that I have a little bit of issue with it, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts, and I'm sure you got a good rebuttal, or maybe you might agree. I'm not sure, but I feel like the purpose thing is being really heavily sold at the moment, mm. but. It's being sold at the highest level. Hmm. How do we walk on water? How do we eradicate, you know, world hunger? How do all, all these things? What's the greater purpose in life? And you know, purpose doesn't have to be that. And I understand, but hmm. but how do we have purpose for the people that grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, hmm. didn't get kissed on the dick, for lack of hmm. a better term, yeah. don't have much going for them, are stuck in these jobs that they're probably never going to love, and they don't really have a way out of? Hmm. How do we, you know, the issue that I have is how do we make sure that those people can be happy, hmm. well? you know, feeling good. Every okay, day. that's a good question. So there's all, unfortunately, there will always be inequity. Mm. There will always be 
levels and layers. And so all you and I can do and all your listeners and viewers can do is the best that they can. But I, uh, And so for me, I think purpose, the purpose conversation is a bit that one, right? Mm. It is a bit wanky. Yeah. Um, because it's like there with, you know, living an aligned life and yeah. your best life and, you know, living your higher purpose. I'm picturing and, you and your Lululemons yeah, my, at the moment. Or my fucking caftan a, or something. Yeah, coconut but latte. Look, for me, living your purpose is just the thing that, that matters most to you. Mm. And I think quite often people, like people say to me, I, I don't know what my purpose is. How do I find my purpose? I'm like, what do you mean you find it? Mm. It's not some preordained cosmic thing that yeah, you find under it. You don't find it under a spiritual rock or behind a fucking unicorn. Mm. <laughs> you just, you choose it. Yeah. You, you go, well, what do you want your purpose? Is it to work with kids? Is it to be a coach? Is it to be the best podcaster on the planet? Is it to be an Olympic athlete? Mm-hmm. And then once you've got that, you can w- fulfill your physical potential and then use your position to influence others and you know so i i for me i think um it's it is a misused term yeah and especially in religious circles it's kind of touted as something that we need to go and discover yeah and it's perhaps some preordained by god thing Mm. that for me probably not really how it goes you know but um and then i also think there's another thing around it and that is that your purpose will change over time. I don't think you're going to have the same purpose for 50 years necessarily. Mm. Like my purpose when I was 20 wasn't the same when I was 30, not the same now. Yeah. So my purpose at 54 to my six is it's different yeah. and it will probably be, it'll probably keep evolving, you know, and what, where my mind and my focus and my energy were when I was 30, when I was 30, that's different now, mm-hmm. not better or worse, just different. And that's, you know, I think a lot of this really comes back to, am I living on autopilot? Is my life a version of Groundhog Day? Mm-hmm. And am I, you know, kind of frustrated or kind of underperforming or kind of underachieving in terms of what I would like to do and tapping into my potential and all of those things? Um, or, or am I living which is also a bit wanky, but am I living an aligned life? What, mm-hmm. what matters to me and does my behavior reflect that? Yeah. You know, if you said to me, Craig, you can go talk tonight to 10,000 people for free and share your ideas and thoughts and messages or you can talk and you can't sell anything. There's no books, there's nothing and there's no pitch, there's no go to my web, there's yeah. nothing. You just talk to them, walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. You never see them again. Or you can talk to 100 people across the road for 10 grand. I'm taking the big audience every time mm. because that for me, where I am now, it matters much more. Yeah. It matters much more. And you know, like to to actually, which can sound a bit wanky, but I think when you genuinely, and by the way, I've never changed one life. All I've done is kind of influenced a few, but when people send you a message and say amazing shit because you wrote something or said something or mm. shared something and then they went away and they did the work around that idea and then they created a result makes me feel awesome more awesome than money's ever made me feel 100 and you get to the point where you go okay so like i'm a single guy i'm not married i don't have kids i don't smoke i don't drink i don't socialize like a lot of people do i'm also a full-time student and a full-time worker Mm -hmm. as in i work for me Mm full-time um i have a full-time pa ea business manager melissa who's amazing and runs my life um but 
you know, I, I don't, my life apart from the, uh, paying her and that all goes through the business, in terms of my personal life, I, it's very cheap. I don't need much money. Mm. You know, it costs no me does. $5 a week in petrol on the scooter. Yeah. No I, wear, I wear $20 army shorts and T-shirts that people give me. Yeah. You know, I just don't need a lot to be happy. Yeah. But the thing is, no one does. No. They just don't understand that. Well, and also we, we build a life for ourselves that becomes very expensive because yeah. now we've got three cars we don't need yeah. that each cost way more than we needed to spend. And now we've, yeah, got, right. we've got these repayments and we've got this mortgage. We work and, way too long to, and way too hard to buy shit that we don't need or want. And without being judgmental, if that's what people want to do and in the middle of all of that they find themselves happy, well, that's where they should be. Yeah, yeah, but for you fair. and me, probably not the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I, when, I, when I first started making money, I bought all this shit and I went... Wow, this is what I used to do. I'd go buy a fucking fancy car. Four days later, I'd be, huh. <laughs> yeah, well, that right. wasn't it. Yeah, that's right. That wasn't it. Yeah, then it's Fuck, just a car. maybe I just got the wrong yeah. car. Yeah, yeah. No, you dickhead. It's never about the car. It's never about your biceps. It's never about your brand. It's never about your house. Yeah. It's always about you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that you've said and a lot of things that you, you live your life by that I, I, I wish a lot of people probably... Um, didn't take for granted you know one of the things is helping people that i mentioned my before the show before we started recording my previous company adventure fit mm. i went through periods where i didn't want to have anything to do with that business because mm. it was too difficult you know right. but i kept charging ahead charging ahead and charging ahead and the only reason why mm. because i used to go on these trips that people thought were well they were amazing there are other people's holidays they were the greatest holiday on the planet but yes. outside looking in people would see me and they're like oh he just goes on holidays for, for a living what an absolute life you know mm. But I hated running the trips a lot of the time because I was mm. overstressed and, you know, financially I was, I was really tired. It wasn't a very enjoyable experience for me. Mm. But the thing that was really enjoyable and I would say was addictive and was the only thing that drove me forward when things were at their absolute toughest and worst was the fact that at the end of every one of those trips, I would get handwritten letters talking about how something had changed their life. I'd get a hug with tears in my eyes, with tears in their eyes, you know, whatever, thanking me. And that shit is so addictive. Yeah. You know, it's the best, the greatest feeling. Um, and I like the point, the fact that, you know, that's something that, you know, is built into your life. You know, you've kind of crafted a life that, as you said, you get the most fulfillment out of and it is through helping others. Mm. You know, I think altruism is a funny word because altruism is, you know, giving without receiving and truly doing others without anything in return. And I think that's bullshit, mm. you know, to a, to a degree. I know sure. it's, a, it's fine. It's fine to have it as a term, but there's never really an altruistic act because if you, unless you're a sadistic psychopath, if you make someone feel good and do something awesome for them you're going to feel fantastic at the end of that. 100%. You know, so, 100%. I, and I like, you know, I, I like the word altruism, but it's, uh, yeah. So anyway, look, Craig, in the interest of time and not having you here all day, I, I, I did want to um, ask you just about, you know, you're 56 now, you've had a wealth of experience in a million different things and you're still growing as a person and so on and so forth. So, you know, what does the future look like for you? What are you, mm. what are you most fired up about? Mm. What's next? What would you like to, to, to achieve uh, in the future? So I want to finish this doctorate. So next time you're going to have to call me Dr. Harps. Oh, shit. And I'll be the legit doc, not you, the, the <laughs> yeah, fucking pretend yeah. doc. But you walk through that door, you'll call me doc as well. Yeah, all right, right, that's then, the all right. deal. Uh, I'll call you Dr. Harper. Yeah, we're a fair <laughs> way away from that. I will add a long way away. But, um, you know, mate, I, I just love doing the things that I'm doing and I want to keep... I think that we, and this is not because I'm 56, I'm saying this, I've thought this since I was 26, is that we age unnecessarily in our culture. Now, I don't mean that biological age, I just mean the way that we think and behave and, you know, like, 
at 56, my brain, my creativity, my resourcefulness, my problem solving, my communication, my efficiency, productivity is better than when I was at 26 and 36. Yep. And that's because I've never stopped learning. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's really important to keep learning, keep doing new stuff, mm-hmm. keep getting uncomfortable, keep, you know, every day I train with a crab who fortunately is not dead anymore. <laughs> Thanks for undying. That was fucking helpful because I had to find a new training partner. Very inconvenient. Yeah. Um, right in time for Halloween though. Yeah, exactly. You could have worn him as a suit or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you got some issues. Uh, that's pretty funny, though. Pretty funny. Um, and so, for me, like, just having, you know, we train every day for an hour, hour and a, we probably train, probably at the gym for an hour and a half and train for fucking 17 minutes mm. because we talk shit and hang out and laugh our asses off, you know. And so, for me, that's really, uh, I'm fortunate in that I can go from 60 to zero. Mm-hmm. I have a really good off switch. Yep. I don't. Although I will say the week that the crab died, there was a bit of anxiety and there was a couple of sleepless nights. But as a rule, I have very little anxiety and I have very, I'm very calm. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have an ability over time that I've developed to be able to go from the mayhem and the chaos to, you know, lying on my bed in my jocks watching everybody loves Raymond for yeah. half, <laughs> a half an hour or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So oh, it's important. That's great. Well, um, all right, cool. So. Harps, where can people find you? What do you want to plug? Where if anyone wants more information? Sure. So you can follow me um, on Insta, which is just at Whiteboard Lessons. Whiteboard Lessons, one kind of word at Whiteboard Lessons. Follow me on on Facebook, Craig Harper. You'll find me a couple of pages there, um, and my website, which is just craigharper.net. And also, I've just getting my YouTube channel up and running and there's probably about 55 videos on there but there'll be hundreds in the next year or so because I've been very negligent of so if you subscribe to my YouTube channel stuff will just come to you no cost no hooks catches you'll never get I'm never going to try and sell you anything there's just free stuff same on my site there's lots of free stuff Um, so yeah that'd be great cool thanks for having me mate Craig Harper thanks for coming along thanks buddy appreciate it great and uh, that's a wrap Alrighty guys, if you like that show, you can support us in a number of ways. You can climb up the um, highest mountain in your surrounding area and scream at the top of your lungs, I love Brolosophy. You can do that. Uh, You could potentially, you could go to your local hardware store, you could buy some spray paint. Um, You could go, you know, sneak out in the middle of the night get to a really busy area, like say if you're in Melbourne, you could go to Federation Square. Um, you know, if you're in LA, you can go to like the Staples Centre maybe. Um, London, you could go to kinda, um, where would you go? Maybe Tower Bridge. And you know, take that spray paint and just spray paint, Brolosophy's fucking sick all over the joint. Like, fuck yeah, Brolosophy, Doc's the mad dog. You know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, you could certainly do that. Um, you could get a rock. You could, you know, get a bit of paper and just write, Brolosophy is the best thing ever. Subscribe. And then you, you know, wait. Yeah, paper first. You'd have to get the paper, write that on the paper, wrap it around a rock, bit of sticky tape, maybe like big, stretchy, what are they called? You know, lacquer bands. And you just, you'd take that rock or like a bunch of rocks and just throw it through somebody's window. Hopefully they'll subscribe to the show. Um, You know, and that'll be awesome. Um, really help us grow so 
Anyway, so so that's one way, or three ways, three good ways you can support the show. Um, yeah, and you can also support our sponsors at trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO for 10% off. Also, head to au.yeti.com forward slash bro to check out the world's best coolers. You won't be disappointed. And head to athena.co, A-T-H-Y-N-A. Use the code BRO when you inquire and you'll be eligible for 20 hours free there. This has been Philosophy Through the Eyes of an Idiot. See you next week.